0: Thanks for listening to the Bart and Han Show podcast. Listen live weekdays at noon on
1: 98.7 ESPN.
0: Hey, it's 12 o'clock in the greatest city in the world. It is Bart and Han, Alan Han, Bart Scott, 98.7 ESPN. We get the calls rolling at 800 3776 At Bart and Han, Twitter, Instagram, certainly as well. No Bart today, no Bart tomorrow. Um, our hearts are with him as he's had some... Uh, he has two funerals actually to attend over the next two days in his family. So, sad news that, that has met him, which is why he is back in his home in Detroit. So, again, our thoughts certainly with him and with his family as well. In the meantime, we'll hold it down here with you. So, that means you've got Han Solo, and you've got me, and I've got you, and we've got each other. So, the calls will get rolling at 800 3776. And we'll be all over the place. Joe Shane of the Giants, the Giants general manager. Spoke earlier today, so at the NFL Combine, the business of football starts to pick up again and what the plans are going forward, so we'll hear from Joe Shane later on and also talk with Jordan Renan about everything that he heard from the Giants' GM and what he sees going forward from it as well. But plenty of hoops to get with you as well because, look, last night at the Garden was one thing, but all around the NBA, I have a question for you. Do we have an officiating issue? Like, is it official? No pun intended. That the NBA and its officiating has really become too much of a story. And it's not necessarily just the Knicks. And last night it was in their favor. You could argue the Knicks are now even. I mean, two weeks ago in Houston was an abomination of a foul call that instead of going to overtime with a chance to win, the Knicks ended up losing because of a call that shouldn't have been made. And moments after the game admitted, the, uh, the, the crew chief did that that call should not have been made against Jalen Brunson. Fast forward two weeks later at Madison Square Garden on a scramble play late in the game with the Pistons. Yes, the eight-win Pistons holding a one-point lead at the Garden, trying to pull off an upset of a Knicks team that desperately needed to win. And instead, a play that this was not, as to me, obvious because you had to watch it a couple of times to get a real sense. But still, in the end, if you watch it closely, yes, a foul was missed. And the Knicks got away with one. And right after the game, the same thing happened. The officials came out and said, we screwed up. That should have been a foul. It was not called. You call a foul there, the game's over. Knicks are down. There was eight seconds after at the steal. Eight seconds. A Sir Thompson gets a steal. And you get a foul there. The game's over. Free throws, and away we go. Now, you still have a chance, I guess, you could argue, with less than eight seconds to go. Could you take a three if they make the two free throws? Could you tie it? Sure. But at that point, you could say to yourself, the game might be over. But they didn't blow the whistle. So you lose one, you get one back. So are you even? I guess so. Is this the league doing that? No, because there's no way that the officials are even thinking that in that moment. All right, let's make sure we don't call one so that we get even with the Knicks because, you know, a couple of weeks ago they got screwed. Nobody's doing that. But overall in the league, you are seeing it around the league that there are moments where fouls are called or aren't called or inconsistencies and frustrations that are abounding everywhere in the league. And it's just becoming a story more and more. And as we know, whenever it involves the Knicks – Whenever it involves the New York team, tons of coverage, tons of people talking about it, tons of outrage, tons of frustration, and, of course, tons of the coverage from the New York media. And Monty Williams, the former Nick, who is the head coach now of the Pistons, walked into the postgame press conference, the same place he sat before the game where all of us were gathered around him, a crowd of 15 to 20 media members talking to him pregame. After the game, he noticed that, uh, you know, it was only just a, a couple of Detroit writers at that point. I wanted to play it. See, you know what? You set up a show. You get yourself into like a whole thing that you want to talk about and all that stuff. And then the minute you hit the button, no, no, guys, I'm going to get it. So this is what happens. That happens, and then that's when your computer goes, oh, you know what? This is now time for what we call a reset. So we reset, and now here we go. Monty Williams looking for the media.
1: right <laughs> back. Where's the New York media now? The absolute worst call of the season. No call. And enough's enough. We've done it the right way. We've called the league. We've sent in clips. We're sick of hearing the same stuff over and over again. We had a chance to win the game, and the guy dove into Asar's legs, and there was a no call. That's an abomination. You cannot miss that in an NBA game, period. And I'm tired of talking about it. I'm tired of our guys asking me, what more can we do, coach? That situation is exhibit A to what we've been dealing with all season long and enough's enough. You cannot dive into a guy's legs in a big-time game like that, and there be a no-call. It's ridiculous, and we're tired of it. We just want a fair game called, period. And I got nothing else to say. We want a fair game. And that was not fair. I'm done.
0: Now, let me tell you guys why Monty's frustrated. I love that he said where's in New York media, because like that's him saying, like, oh, where's the coverage? Where are you now? Right? And so it just shows you how aware he is. He came into the game heated. Just understand that. He has already had a... a, a referee narrative going about how his star player, Kate Cunningham has been officiated, how he's not getting to the line enough. Like he already has come into the game with that frustration already built up throughout the game. They were doing a lot of barking. The officials last night, that game was physical and they let a lot go. And so like the tone had already been set for diving on the floor and they were just going to let it play on. And I was calling the game with Mike Breen. So I was courtside. And I even was saying it throughout the game, like, I'm glad they didn't blow a whistle there. I might have said that twice. I'm glad they didn't blow a whistle there. There were a couple of diving for the ball kind of plays even that you said, see, they're setting that tone in this game, and this is how you got to play. And so that play, and I'll I'll tell you what, if you didn't see it, which how could you have not by now? Everybody's seen this play. But it was such a scramble. And while the Brunson foul from the Houston game, was just an abomination of. Wait a second, are you really calling that at that moment, right? Because there was contact, but even the league afterwards said it wasn't significant enough to call a foul. But there was. It was that moment where you look at a referee and go, "What the hell? Why would you rage it? Why, why would you blow your whistle there?" You know. And as you remember, um, we had Steve Javi on the, um, you know, the former longtime official who now works for ESPN on rules uh, analyst. And he even said, you don't put air in the whistle in moments like that. You just don't. Let the players decide. And I love that because that's the mentality you want your officials to have, right? So that therefore, therefore, in this play, you're thinking, well, are they just letting the players play? Because here's what happened as I got to see it again. Because when you're sitting at the table, courtside, the, the play happened literally in front of us on the floor, but in front of the table. So unless I stood up and looked over the table, I wasn't going to be able to see the play. And you don't do that because the play's happening. So what happened was Thompson made a great play to steal what was a pass from DiVincenzo to Brunson. He makes a terrific read and gets the steal. Great play for a rookie. Now what do you think he should have done in that moment? What was the right thing to do in that moment with 8.1 seconds and you just got a steal and your team is up one? Correct. Correct. Hold the ball. Now, he's a terrible free throw shooter. In his mind, he's probably thinking, I got to get rid of this thing or get away from people because the last thing I want to do is go to the free throw line and have to give us two free throws so we can go up by three and at least force overtime, the worst that can happen, right? Like, maybe in his head, he knows, I can't just hold the ball and get fouled here. But the right play was to hold the ball. That's was the right play. Not dribble it. Because when he gets the steal, the next thing he does is put it on the floor. And he fumbles it. And the minute he fumbles it, and and this is the part, again, that if you're a Knicks fan, this is why you love this team. Because these guys, like, like how many times have you watched an NBA game and a player makes a pass like the one DiVincenzo made, that it gets stolen? And you know what happens after that a lot of the times. The head drops. The shoulders drop. Right? It's like, oh. Right? You know, like, I just I just blew it. But DiVincenzo doesn't just stop. He chases after Thompson. Now, I'm sure he's running at him to think, I got to foul this guy. But the minute the ball fumbles, DiVincenzo's no longer thinking foul. He's thinking ball. And he does dives for it. The two players end up diving. Now, DiVincenzo's dive for the ball runs him into the legs of Thompson, who then falls over top of him. What a mess. And then the ball comes free, and there's Brunson, who also is in pursuit instead of just standing and watching. That's what you love about these Villanova guys. They don't stop. They just go. You know, that's the Jay Wright influence. Play ain't over. Just keep going. It's wild. So... Then that turns into, obviously, the the game-winning shot, which is another thing, just ridiculous, how these guys just find a way to make the play. But that's the, the, the question is simply, like if you're a Sir Thompson, to put that ball on the floor in that moment, that was his first mistake. And he fumbles it, and now it's free. And DiVincenzo dives for it. He does take his legs out. But some argument that others have made, to me, is it's a free ball. I've talked to more than one NBA player last night and this morning who have said it's a free ball. But when you watch the replay, who touches the ball first is Thompson, and so technically that's the foul on DiVincenzo. The problem is there's no replay, there's no video review, and therefore that's a last second you've got to be able to see that fast enough to make the call. And the officials didn't, and they admitted afterwards that they that they blew it but it's it's all hustle plays so the knicks get a win maybe even steal a win on their home floor which by the way coincidentally this wasn't supposed to be a home game this was a game that was supposed to be played in detroit see originally the schedule had the knicks playing at detroit this night last night and because of that in-season tournament scheduling, that it got all screwed up. Remember, they ended up having to play another road game after losing. And so they were almost they were going to have an imbalance in home and road games. They were going to have 42 road, 40 home. The Knicks were furious about this, told the league this isn't fair. And then the league looked at the schedule and then thought, well, let's see where we can find a game that we can move to the Garden. And it was the Pistons who, obviously with the worst record in the league, these games aren't important for them for playoffs and all that other stuff. They were willing to give up the home gate. Uh, and I'm sure they were compensated in some way. But they were willing to give up the home gate to come to New York and play this game. And so they did. And so it ended up being a home game for the Knicks. Now, did they get home cooking with the officiating? You know that doesn't exist. This ain't like, you know, it's not like, we're, you know, I'm, we're, uh, let, let me see. It, it's not like you're, um, I don't know. Let's go with, uh. Let's go, to Sachem High School, and you—you know—we you got to play out in Southampton, and Southampton referees aren't going to make the call. You know, like it's not like that. Like you're not doing that. You know, like those old school days back in the old days, where it's like yeah, like a Long Island team goes upstate to play at upstate. Ah, oh, upstate refs not getting any whistles. I used to say it all the time. We go up at Saint Anthony's. We go up to play like Linton High School, where Pat Riley played, Schenectady, New York. Oh, big bruising, like uh, these dudes were I mean, I've said they were shaving and they were JV players. Like these were monsters, these guys. You try to make layups, they're just clobbing you across the head, and you look at the ref like, what what is that? And he tell you, like, gotta get tough. You're gonna play up here, son. You're like, what? Where am I? You're like, what is this? Hickory? Like it doesn't that doesn't work in the NBA. Officials officiate games. It's not where you officiate, right? So there's no hometown officiating. But it was a major story. At the end of this game. Again for the NBA. And it's not a good look. It's bad for the league. And they know it. But I do think for a lot of people. That you see it. And you say what it could be. What it couldn't be. And it's easy for all of us. Like I myself. Mike Breen's making the call. You stay out of the way. You let Mike cook. And then when Mike is done. That's when it's like okay. You got to assess what you just saw as the analyst. And I'm. I honestly, I'm like, I don't know what I saw. I have to see it again. Because it just, it was a scramble. And you want the official to get that one right. That whole, that whole, that whole possession was a scramble. That whole possession was a, just listen to this. Brunson, three-pointer, off the mark,
2: rebound deflected, chased down, saved by Grimes to Fontecchio. Knocked away, Hartenstein picks it up, out to DiVincenzo. Ten seconds ago, he throws it away. Picked up by Bronson. Bronson inside the heart Harts banks it in. And a foul. Nick's take the lead. Monty Williams is furious. He thought a foul should have been called. There was so much contact for Josh Hart with the big bucket and a free throw coming out.
0: And then right there is when we wait for the replay, and then you start to figure out what exactly just happened, and it's hard to see it. And so the, the official misses it. Now like I said, for the league, the concern is the look, right? It's another end of a game that got screwed up. But think about it, as I've said many times before, the bigger issue for all these sports, and it's why officiating becomes a bigger and bigger and bigger story, is the bigger issue is the money now that's being bet on these games legally. And the partnerships that the leagues are have with these betting companies that becomes a major, like that that Houston game, as I mentioned, the Knicks protested the end of that game. And so there's no result yet of the protest. But what if the league says favors on the side of the Knicks? Yeah, you know what? That was an unfair finish. We have to replay the last, you know, whatever. What was that? Three-tenths of a second. We have to play the rest of that and then overtime. If you bet on that game and won because the Rockets won that game, What do you do with that money? Do you give it back? You're not giving that back. Like, How does that work? What if I lost money on that game because I bet on the Knicks? And now we're replaying it, and then the Knicks end up winning the protested finish. Whoa, whoa, whoa. where does that money go? I should be getting my money back. How does that work? And if you're some of these companies, do you look at the leagues going, what are you doing? We can't do this. We can't give refunds. We can't handle it this way. Like that stuff starts to come into play. It's a very dangerous game now that's being played. There was a guy that went on IG last night who claims he lost a million dollars off of that result because, look, the the Pistons were heavy, heavy underdogs in this game. He ended up taking them at plus 14 and a half. I think the line at the start of the game is even 11 and a half, which is high because if you watch the Pistons, they have actually played some teams really tough lately. And so they took the Pistons, took the money line. And the money he put on it, would have, according to him, again. I don't know if this is true, but he showed bet slips. It would have been a million bucks, and there's no call made, and now he loses a million bucks. Now, again, it's all part of the show. You you know your bets that you bets you place include referee mistakes, like umpires miss strikes, balls and strikes, like that's part of betting on sports. The human element, mistakes, errors, all those things, but still, that starts to come into play a lot more and a lot louder than it used to before. And I think you're seeing a lot more of it. And then, of course, social media uh, as well. But beyond all of it, of course, and what happened at the end of that game, was the fact that the Knicks got another win and their 20th home win of the season. And Jalen Brunson is still like just playing at a spectacular level, sc- level scoring-wise. And the Villanova influence on this team continues to show more and more and more which, it's really amazing, the transformation of this team from just a couple of years ago of Tom Thibodeau just, just trying to instill the old-school Nick mentality that everybody loved to see come back, defense, toughness, all that stuff. And now it's, it's, it's really morphed into Brunson, DiVincenzo, and Hart as like the centerpiece, the core of how this team plays diving after loose balls that not giving in not giving up you know trap game kind of mentality stuff where you just don't show up how many times in the past have you been like frustrated about a Nick team where it's like they just look like they aren't trying hard they look like they're not there mentally right how many times have have you seen that over the years where it just drives you crazy that on a given night this team just they didn't show up now then this there's still times this team, struggles because of, you know, again, the injuries, but, you know, on a given night, you're going to struggle. Don't make shots, you know, a bad game. But have you ever this season questioned this team's effort? Have you ever, like, finished a game going, man, they didn't even care, right? Did you ever watch a game this year and come away with that emotion that this team didn't care tonight? They didn't want it tonight. No. They're built differently now. And a lot of it has to do with these three guys. It's unbelievable. So, we had a stat in the post game show. I know this went viral. It was something that one of our um, researchers looked up and sent to me, and it was hysterical. So, last night, Brunson got, again, over 30. Uh, Hart got over 20. DiVincenzo got over 20. And it was, we all wondered this. Like, because what have we seen? Three college teammates who won a championship in college. Come together and be teammates at the NBA level and then have this kind of success. Like, you don't see that. You know, like we see guys who have come from the same program but not necessarily have played together. And their chemistry with these three are ridiculous. How they find each other in the key moments, the trust, the accountability, all that stuff is there. But what really stands out to me is the fact that all three of them led the team in scoring. And so they looked it up. Last time. A, three players scored over 20 points in the same game playing for the same NBA team who were all college teammates at the same college. When was the last time that happened in the NBA? 1950. Seriously, 74 years ago, these three guys out of Kentucky that played for a team that doesn't even exist in the NBA anymore, an Indianapolis team. Not the Pacers, that was ABA. No, this was Indianapolis Olympians. They lasted three years in the NBA. And and that's what, that's what it was. 74 years ago, the last time you had something like this, this is that rarity, these three guys, and what they've become and what they've meant to what this team is trying to become. What a night last night. What a crazy one. And another one tonight. The Pelicans come in. Zion Williamson comes in. There's another tough, good defensive team. A grinder. This is a second game back-to-back now for the Knicks. A really, really tough game tonight. But the road continues, or at least the homestand continues uh, for this team. And we are getting down now to under 20. Is 24 games to go in the season. And the Knicks, with that win, they keep hold of fourth place in the East. And they stay within two games of third and three games of second. And they just wait in a couple of weeks when you start to get the returns of OG Ananobi and Julius Randle. 800-919-3776 is the number. Well, let's take some calls on this as we begin the calls with you today and start off with Scott in Manhattan. How you doing, Scott?
3: Hey, what's up? First and foremost, that, that call that we made, that was such a call, man. To keep up with all that was going on, that was that, was that was amazing. You're listen. right, Scott. I yeah, sat there was, listening yeah. like everybody else was yeah. because I was so caught up in this, it. Yeah. You just played this down again. I'm like, wow, that, that, you, that that's top yep. notch. But anyway, like you said, look, I'm a Knicks fan. We got one. You know, but like the point you made, and and like when you said you talked to some of the players, I felt the same thing watching the game last night. The ball, when I saw him fumble the ball, I said I felt it's a fifty-fifty ball. I mean, even though he flipped over, he dove after it, you know, and he flipped over him. But but like I said, at that point, listen, I mean, was it a good call? It wasn't. And like you said, to the key is it's a bad look for the league. And I don't know what they can do. Like you said, with the sports betting and all that stuff, but. You know, it's, it's got to be some accountability for when referees do this. I don't know what there the league is. can do. No, no, there is, yeah? Scott. No, no, there is. There no, is? No, okay. No, okay. No, they they do yeah. it. It's, okay. it's
0: not public, but a lot right. of times what you'll see is that referees who make some egregious mistakes. Now, this one, again, is not egregious. Okay. This one they'll argue is, you know, that's hard for the human eye to just see that fast enough to know you got it right. right. And a lot of times late in games, you will, you know, you'll, you'll see – well, Dante went, it was a loose ball, and Dante dove, so now it's right. a matter of, I didn't see if he got there first or not. And then replays okay. will show you that, technically, Thompson did get his hands back on the basketball before Dante got there, but that's after the fact it's too late. There's no review late in games. So
3: when you said accountability, and when I said accountability, you mean this, so they, what, what they happens take games to the ref- They take games they take, Okay, I got you. Okay, yeah, you won't, okay. you won't work okay. as
0: much, you won't get the okay. playoffs, okay. you won't get gotcha. finals, like, That that'll affect you that way. You know, coaches fill out ratings for officials after every game, so that also affects you too. Your rating. So there's a there's a lot of things here with the officiating that accountability is done by the league, but you know I I understand that fans look players are held accountable right away by the media, coaches by the media. You know, like you got to face the music when you make mistakes. Officials, it always feels like they just disappear. Nothing happens. You don't see an announcement of, you know, Josh Tivin has now been, you know, suspended. Or, like, they don't do that. You know, you, Josh Tivin will not work now until, you know, for, for two weeks. Or, you know, he's now been taken off this national game. I'm not saying Josh Tivin's name because it's the first name I could think of. You know, James Williams was the uh, crew chief last night, by the way. Uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't, they don't put that stuff out there. But that's the kind of stuff that is, you know, well known within the league. And you'll see it too. You'll see the certain play like you'll see certain games and you'll see the crew and you're like, yeah, you guys got this game. Uh Carl in Queens, Carl.
4: Hey Alex, uh just to relay off of um the last caller, I actually because I'm still waiting on the Gobble Malloy verdict uh, the, our, our protest is still up in the air. I thought that yeah. was done in Dustin. No. No,
0: it's no, it's still there. They have not they have not made a decision on it yet.
4: Okay, well, whatever. I mean, I, I don't think any of us were expecting anything out of it. No. But I'm sure you'll play the Monty Williams audio later. He was like, oh, it's the worst call of the season. Nah, just run the tape in Houston. That was the worst call of the season. And no one cares about your eight-win team, bro. I'm sorry. But uh, just two things I wanted to bring up about the game, Alan. Um, Deuce, Deuce needs more time than Burks. I'm sorry. At this point, I, I understand why Tibbs hasn't been giving him more time, Burks. But I think it's Ducey's time, and 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 last night McBride. Um, I mean, I mean, I don't know where that where that. I mean, I, I, Quincy Grimes. Uh, I don't know where that Alpha was when he was in New York, but I, he almost won him that game last night, Alan.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, the fourth quarter is when he finally started to turn it on. He he wasn't making shots. He was kind of being yeah, ch- you know, quiet. Ch- ch- the bench but... too, Alan. Sorry, ch- chirping the bench. Yeah, well, that, he hit that three, and then he turned and stared at the bench. And I mean, look again—they're all old friends. Like they—they've had, you know, they, they've he grew up sure, with this team,
4: obviously.
1: So
0: you can't look at that and think there's something real hate. That's that's just competitive stuff that you do. But and thanks for the call, Carl. It's it's more like what Grimes did, and this is where I worry. You know, and I'll leave it here, and then we'll get back to calls. You know, my concerns, and you brought up Burks, is I haven't seen it yet. From Burks. And I need to see it. And the bench got outplayed by the Pistons bench. Now, again, I'm going to say that one more time because I'm going to remind you, this is an eight-win team. The Knicks bench got outplayed by the Pistons bench. That's not acceptable. That fourth quarter, the start of the fourth quarter is where this game got away. Knicks went into the fourth quarter up 12 against a bad team and your home. That you, you open the fourth quarter, throttled down, And you tell Jalen Brunson, take off your shoes. You're done for the night. That's what you do. But the Nick bench is still sort of in a figuring it out mode with Burks. Even though he's been here before, it's still kind of new. Bogdanovich still kind of figuring it out. You know, McBride came in. You know, like that group gave away a 12-point lead. And because Malachi Flynn played good, you know, Fournier had some moments. And then Grimes woke up and suddenly got cooking, all fourteen in the fourth quarter, and that's the part where, you know, that's where I'm worried. Is I asked this question: Is there a difference between winning team conditioning and losing team conditioning? Because a lot of times when you trade for players off of what was a losing team and you bring them to a winning team situation, oh, they're going to be inspired, right? They're going to be happy because they're like, yo like I want I'm part of winning this is great I I like you rejuvenated but then you realize like I'm not in that kind of shape I'm not in that level of shape to wear to you know to play that that speed that hard defensively and offensively when you're on a losing team you know you can kind of hide on defense a little bit catch your breath and then just do what you want offensively there's no pressure so do they have to play themselves into you know winning team conditioning it's kind of late in the year for that so yeah, my concern is the way that bench played in the fourth quarter. Because if that if, if that's not going to improve, then maybe this the trade that was made with Detroit uh, did not bring what you expected to bring. You got time, but right now, right now I'm not seeing it. All right, what I am seeing is tons of calls. We will get to those next. Stay with us. Barton ninety 98.7
1: ESPN. Gordon Damer at the 98.7. Talamordu's sports desk Monty Williams called it the worst call of the season. So how did Tom Thibodeau see the officials non-call at the end of last night's Knicks game against the Pistons? It was very physical. I thought like on Jalen's drives, I thought there was a lot of contact. But I was okay with that because I felt like there was contact the other way as well. So to me, it's all, as long as it's not you know tight one way and, and loose the other way, call it tight, you call it loose, I'm looking for consistency. I thought they were. I thought it was a good hard-fought game. I thought they played well, and I thought we battled. And that is brought to you by Tullamore Dew, because when it's game time, it's Tully time. Tullamore Dew, the original triple-distilled, triple-blended, and triple-cast matured Irish whiskey, be sure to grab a Tullamore Dew or try the brand new Tullamore Dew, honey. During tonight's action, glasses up to enjoying Tullamore Dew responsibly. Coming up at 3 o'clock, it's The Choice, a New York sports talk. It is the Michael K. Show, and it's only here on 98.7 FM.
2: Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play.
6: who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com.
0: Thanks for listening to the Barton Han Show podcast. Listen live weekdays at noon on 98.7 ESPN. Hi, it's Barton Han. Han Solo with you today. So it's just me and you, 800 3776 Get back to your calls here. We'll get into Giants. As Joe Shane spoke earlier this morning from the uh, NFL Combine and interesting things to say, including about uh, Saquon Barkley and the franchise tag. So we'll hear from Joe Shane and then talk with Jordan Renan more about all that and more coming up. And, of course, a lot of today also dedicated to a wild finish last night at Madison Square Garden. The Knicks do get a win, but they uh, they do by the fortune of no whistle in what was a physical game against the Pistons last night. Still, win home win number twenty. For the Knicks, and they remain in fourth place in the East. And all you want to talk about it, so let's get to it. 800-919-3776. Jason is in New York. What's up, Jay?
4: Hey, Alan. Uh, First time caller over here, so it's it's good to speak to you. Um Likewise. just quick about the, the the game the game last night. Um, we lucked out. We lucked out big time, and uh, we really needed that win against a subpar team. Uh, we can't be losing to uh, teams like this. We need we need these games going down the stretch. Um, and we also need our guys back. Um, this, it's just evident that, you know, um, going forward, the second half of the this season, players are going to be uh, – the, these teams are going to be gunning for us. They know how to blitz Brunson. Um, and uh, these guys are going to be playing because, you know, the playoffs are coming up. They're going to be playing tough. Um, we need the guys back back. Um, so hopefully we can, you know, kind of keep the ship afloat up until up until then. And um, I'm just going to say we, this, this evens out the Houston ordeal. So um, that's, that's it for me.
0: Right. right. That's why I wanted to ask people. Thank you, Jason. Is this, you know, does this, like, this Houston now, like, all right, because remember, Houston wasn't a win. Houston wasn't a guaranteed win. Houston was to get to overtime. So if I told you, all right, that game, we wiped that away because you got this one, are you good with it? You say, all right, we're even. Moving on. Right? Do you let it go or no? Let's go to Moyo. In Jersey City, Moyle.
7: Hey, huh. Hey, huh Man, appreciate you for having me on, brother. Good day. I gotta say, I gotta say this. 90, I gotta say, ninety-nine times out of a hundred, for the simple fact that it wasn't called yesterday, that's a foul, hon. Huh? That dude is sitting here doing a wrestling move, Goldberg. Mm-hmm. Right into his hips and knees. That's a foul every day. Every day that's a foul. I mean, you you, you think
0: he was aiming for his knees, or was he diving for the ball?
7: No, no, no. I don't. I don't think it was a dirty play. I'm not calling. Or, I'm not saying that. But I'll tell you this right now: if Westbrook was to make that same play, what are you guys discussing today on your show?
0: If oh, you think if like it's a different player?
7: No, I don't think it was a dirty play. I'm not saying it was a dirty play. Right, but, but you mean if somebody was, else I'm if somebody else foul. did
0: it. Like I'm trying to figure out oh, what you if, what you're trying to say. Someone,
7: yeah, if if someone with a bad rap would have said, they would have said that would have been uh, a dirty play. I'm not saying he did it. Like, like if that's Patrick
0: play, Beverly, but, that's Patrick Beverly. If, if they're calling Patrick
7: Beverly. Or, oh, if that's okay, Grayson that's Allen, out. right?
0: Grayson if, Allen died for that ball. That's okay. a foul. Is that what you're saying?
7: Listen, you, yeah, you know your knees, in, especially in the NBA, man. You got to protect those knees. He went right at his hips and knees. I'm not saying it was a dirty play, but it's a foul one hundred times out of hundred.
0: Well, here's the problem: why, why there's there's argument both ways. Like I said, I've talked to NBA players about this play, and it's because he fumbled the like when he went to dribble, he lost control of his dribble. Yeah,
7: but this and it was a free ball just because the ball. Yeah, just because the ball is loose doesn't mean you get to tackle somebody. Well, he didn't.
0: But yeah, I get it. Like, like let's not say tackle because he didn't put his arms Uh, around his body. He dove for the ball.
7: Majority of the players in the NFL don't tackle wrapping their arms around their body. They throw their whole head and shoulders at them. Right. Exactly what that play was. Uh,
0: I, I I I gotta be honest with you. I saw a guy die for a ball. That's what I saw. I saw him die for a ball.
7: All right, let me wait one more time before I get yeah. off. If mm-hmm. the if the roll was reversed and it was the Knicks that got hosed on that, not the Houston thing that happened last time. But if it was, would you guys be bringing it up, or it was a 50-50 fifty-fifty loose ball, or you'll be saying that the Knicks got hosed on that?
0: I would have said, "Why is he dribbling the basketball?"
7: That's what I would say. I don't, I don't believe you, Allen. I love you, but I don't believe that. All right, that's fair.
0: That's fair. But I mean, I, hey, I think hey. my my history has kind of like suggested that when there's something like that close, like the Brunson foul was, I my my argument was, you, like you watch the post game on the post game on MSG. I said it's a foul. He hit him. There's body contact, so the official sees contact, blew the whistle what I wanted to know is why would you blow the whistle there like that wasn't enough to blow a whistle like because it was a chuck and duck you just don't you don't call the foul on a chuck and duck like it wasn't a good looking shot it was a chuck and duck let's just go to overtime there was no it wasn't like oh somebody was going to win or lose on that play it was just moving to overtime you know and and then Steve Javi agreed with me when we had him on so don't take my word for it take his word for it you don't put air in the whistle that's what he said so that is a much different situation than this, where in this one, your thought is, where are you going? Like, why would you do that? You know, like secure the ball. That's the most important thing. The possession is so important right there. And then he fumbles it, and that opens the door for, hey, that's a loose ball now. It's anyone's ball. And what were we taught? See, here's the other part of it that I think you also have to think about. Player mentality. What are you taught as a player? And those of us that are older will remember if you ever played high school basketball even. Or sometimes even CYO you did this. Basketball camp sometimes. Loose ball drills. You ever do those? Yeah, those aren't fun. Loose ball drills separates the men from the boys. Separates the, the guys who want to play and the guys who are like, yeah, I don't need it that badly. Because legit, throw the... They, we we'd line up on the outside of the uh, three second area, right? The painted area. You have two players. Call out the names. Roll the ball down the middle, and you'd have to dive for the ball. Like, who gets the ball first? You win, and a loser, it's push ups or something. But there was more to it than just oh, I have to do push ups. It was just you know who won. All right, and bragging rights, and those were those were tough. Your floor get all, your your knees get all torn up from floor burns and everything else. But that the idea was. You dive for a loose ball. It taught you the mentality of loose ball. My my muscle memory, my instinct is to get on the floor. And anybody that's been coached hard has that instinct, and that's those Villanova guys. So I I don't I don't think there's anything more to it than that. Uh, let's continue with the calls. Dante in Queens. Dante.
4: Hey. What's up, Dante? Hey, hey, what's up, um, Alan? Thanks for taking my call. Mm-hmm. I just have two quick points about um, last night's Knicks game. I feel like, I'm going to say like 80% of the refs are competent, but with a lot of the calls and when it's a close game, you feel like 50% of them are incompetent. I really, and even if that was a foul, how many times have refs historically jerked the Knicks out of games? So I'm not going to apologize, you know, for, for for that, you know? Yeah. I, I think that's
0: fair. I think that's a fair – I think for Nick fans, you have every right to say that. Like, you know what? I ain't apologizing for this one because how many times over the years has – what like you're just saying. So I will I, – like any Nick fan that wants to say that, I'm not going to have a hard time with you. I have no problem with it at all. Like I said, I, I look at it as that's a hustle play that got rewarded. And it's, you know, was it wrong? Yeah. Like it should have been a foul, but it was a hustle play and hustle plays sometimes catch a ref off guard and you can get the benefit of it because you made the hustle effort that I'd rather that than some like little ticky tack foul that shouldn't have been called because of something soft. Those are the ones I have no tolerance for little soft foul that didn't need to be called, but this is a guy diving for a ball. And I'm going to give you the credit for making the effort to try to get that loose ball. So I'm all right with it. I'm I'm okay with that. But don't give me a touch foul. Don't give me some kind of bogus, like, soft call. Like, those are the ones I hate. Because I'd rather – the I want to reward the effort.
7: on on the Knicks.
0: <laughs> well, that's the other part of it. Yeah, you, you definitely – but you definitely bring up a good point. For Knicks fans, like Knicks fans for sure, they don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear it. Boy, Bart, if he was here – oh, my God. You know how mad he'd be right now? His poor little Detroit Piston. 800 9 3776 We'll continue with your call. Stay with us. Barton Haught, 98.7 ESPN.
2: This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Thanks for listening to the Barton Han Show podcast. Listen live weekdays at noon
1: on 98.7 ESPN.
0: 800 right, 800-919-3776. Get back to the calls here. Jordan Renan, 1 o'clock hour to the Giants. Joe Shane spoke this morning. What he said about Saquon Barkley and the franchise tag might surprise you, so that's coming up. Stay with us for that. But in the meantime, back to the calls we go. Robert is in Pontiac, Michigan. Robert, how are you feeling today?
8: Hey, um, thanks for having me. Uh, I'm an old basketball fan, and I just wanted to chime in because it was kind of a, you know a dramatic ending. Mm -hmm. And, uh, of course, the Pistons came up short. Well, I feel like, uh, well, what happened has happened, and we can't bring that back, but I wanted to just maybe get your opinion on uh, how do you like Bogey and uh, Burks for playing for the Knicks now? They were just recently traded. Did you have a chance to look at them, and how do you feel about them?
0: No, I watched both of them very closely, um, and I think that Bogdanovich has got to get into maybe a little bit better shape, but... You could see that he's got an yeah. offensive, you know, package that that off the bench for this team when they're healthy could be really valuable in the playoffs. But I just don't know if he's yeah, got his he's legs. He's got under. a
8: really nice touch. He's oh, got yeah. a really nice touch, uh, offensive touch, and uh, but he's defensively liable. I, if you probably noticed that he doesn't play much yeah. defense.
0: Yeah, they got to they got to hide him. They definitely have to protect him, and they got to hide yeah. him a little bit defensively. Yeah, there's no doubt.
8: There's yeah. No doubt. But I'm, you know, if I talk about Detroit Pistons, I, I'm worried about our coach. The highest coach, I think, has the highest paid coach yep. ever,
0: mm-hmm. and yeah. we
8: can't even figure out how to play basic pick and roll defense or how or to no. hedge on screens and, and things like that. It, it's 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 fairly amazing uh, of the ineped, how inept they are.
0: I'll tell you what, Robert, I actually watched them, and I think I thought a couple of things last night. They play hard. And they've got more guys that yes. play defense now than they did before. They they need better shooting. They don't have enough perimeter shooting. I don't think guys like like uh, Thompson's a nice player. He can't shoot. That's a big big no, he issue can't. for me. He, he Jaden Ivy, paint. yeah, Ivy's a really really live body kind of like athlete, but he can't shoot. You know, and that's a big problem. Um, but you know, Cade Cunningham, stud, kid's a stud. Like huh? you, th- yeah. I'm telling you, he is going to be a top five player in the league in a short in, in the next couple of years. He is that good. I hope so. Oh, no. He's yeah. he's and special. He's special. I'm telling you, he got wherever good. he wanted yeah. on the floor, did whatever he wanted to do offensively. Now, he wasn't clutch late, and that's a problem. He's got to get that right. But he's 20. You know, he's 22 years old. But I'll tell you, he's good. And Jalen Duran, have you seen this kid? He's 20 years old. He's built like a brick. No, oh, I can't say it on the air. But, I mean, he's, he's built like a brick. Let's put it that way. Kid's a unit. Oh, my God. He's 20. Imagine, like... You look like that at 20. Imagine what he looks like at 25. And he's a rebounding machine. So they've got some pieces there. Monte's a good coach. It's going to take a minute, but they've, they've just got to get more shooting and just you know maybe another offensive player. They can't be afraid to trade some of their young guys away for, for veteran talent. They can't be afraid to do it. And I wonder if this offseason uh, they will. Uh, Dave and Ocean.
5: Dave. Hi, Alan. I, I, first thing I want to say is I listen to you and Bart every day. Thank you. Uh, and I, I love you guys. You're, you're amazing and you're awesome, and, and your analysis is is amazing.
0: Thanks, Dave. Uh,
5: next thing I want to make my I want to make my point on your initial comments related to the guy with the million dollars and the betting. Yeah, I was I, I was at the game last night. I was courtside, and I was sitting next to a guy and his son who are from, came from Detroit to watch the game, mm-hmm. and uh, in the third quarter, there was a, a three-shot foul called on Bogdanovich, and um, he didn't touch him. He didn't yeah, he touch did. the
0: shooter. No, he did. He did. We watched the replay. We had. I did the game on MSG. They, we showed the replay. He gets him right in the forum. I, I know exactly the play you're talking about. Got him right in the forum. Bogdanovich didn't even okay, look at the bench exactly. to say we should review it. Usually if a player doesn't foul somebody, he turns to the bench right away and goes, no, review it, review it. And he didn't do that. He put his head down. He knew he fouled him. That was a foul.
5: Because uh, well, from the from the from where we were sitting, when oh, yeah, we looked no, no. up up at the tron,
0: yeah, yeah, first well, on your on your, yeah, like-, yeah. Uh, like naked eye, you could you might think, oh, he didn't touch him, but we had it in super slow, and he definitely like clear contact on the forearm on the release.
5: Okay, yeah, all right, because my comment was going to be that at the end of the day, you know, there's fouls and misfouls fouls, and you take that risk when you bet. Oh, and, well that's you know, it evens out at the end. Yeah,
0: that's that part is yeah. true. And and yeah, I'm not welcome. I'm, I'm more talking about when you when you're a league and now you partner with a betting company. I'm not talking about people who bet. I mean, if you are a league right. and you partner with a betting company or betting companies, you're inviting now others to think that the fix is in. You're inviting others to start uh, calling like you out and saying, oh, you just want this and you just want that. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's the danger of the partnerships that have now been formed in professional sports with a lot of betting companies. Legalized betting's fine, but when you start to partner up with some of these companies, you're now opening the door for people to start questioning more than like what's your alter, like what's your ulterior motive? You know, like we'll we'll talk later about how everybody thinks the draft is is fixed and you know there's reasons you can come up with. And that's cuz you want to prop certain franchises, right? But when it comes to sports betting, you're not favoring one team over another. What are you favoring? Like what was, what's the benefit of a league to favor one team over another? There isn't unless there's a, you know, some type of financial interest in it. And so that's all I'm suggesting, but, but no, I'm with you. You, you, If you're going to put your money down, you're taking it all in, which includes human error, which includes officiating. That's just part of it.
5: Right. Yeah. Right. 100%.
0: Thanks, Thanks, Dave. Good, Good to talk to you. Um, Call him in the Bronx, what's up, Colin? How you doing, bud?
6: Uh, what's going on, Han Solo for today? Yeah. Shout out to uh, the company of Jace. Um, you know the comment with like you know the Knicks game. Like at first glance, it looked like to me it was a foul, and I don't know. Like your explanation with it, I remember those loose ball plays. You know, I you would think you would think you needed a cup playing basketball, which you never thought beforehand, like, but <laughs> yeah, you look at it, you look at it at a loose ball and in the situation, but even, even if you have the opinion on either way, you know, the Knicks, uh, what, like two months ago had a terrible call with Jalen Brunson, not two fouling weeks. him for a three. They yeah. called the foul and they lost the game on that. It's 82 games in the season. You're going to have games where it's a questionable call and you lose and you're going to have games where it's a no call and you're going to win and vice versa, it's all gonna shake out, so it's like I'm not like I'm not offended. I'm not worried about it. I'm not taking anything back. Like everything, everything works out after 82 games. So, so, so not for a big you, deal, but it, it was a very important win.
0: Oh, oh, and it was critical this one because Pelicans come in tonight in a back to back, and this is a good team. It's gonna be a tough one tonight. Warriors on Thursday, Cleveland on Sunday. You know, like it's it's not easy. Yeah. So those games against teams, and thank you, Colin. Those those games against teams that are struggling, you've got to get, especially at home. And so the Knicks now improved to 23-2 and two on the season against teams with a losing record. It's the second-best record in the league. You know, that says a lot. When they play bad teams, they beat them. And that goes back to what, I, at the very top, is the culture that has now been established here with this team. And I credit, you got to credit Tom Thibodeau. You credit what Leon Rose has brought in here as well but you have to credit the Villanova influence. And somewhere, you know, in the distance, Jay Wright has some fingerprints on what the Nick culture now is. Because it's something that he established at Villanova that these three guys really embodied and they have reunited here and they have brought that into the culture of the fight for everything, never give in, and just that 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 type of mentality that We aren't playing against, like, we don't play down to the competition. We play up to our standard. And that is very, like, that's that's the special sauce that every organization that is trying to build, like, the Pistons are trying to find that element. You know, like, that's what they need. They're trying to get that. And how do you get that? Well, it starts with your players and your coaches, and they set that standard. And once you get it, boy, you don't want to let go of it. Because that's the special sauce. Because now you get guys who might not be all about that, but you put them in that environment, and boy, all of a sudden they become more than you thought. Precious Achua. You know, who knew what he was? But you put him in this environment, look what he becomes. Little, little things like that and what it could turn into. It's special. And the Knicks have that right now, and you have to recognize it. All right, so we'll continue with the calls and so keep them rolling, eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. But coming up, Joe Shane, talk about, you know, again, winning culture and you want to really establish something. That's what they're trying to do with the Giants. Joe Shane, a big off season for him, is now underway. And he talked about Saquon Barkley and more this morning. We'll get the latest from Jordan Renan next. Stay with us.
1: Barton ninety 98.7 ESPN. Gordon Damer at the 98.7 Tullamore Do sports desk. The Giants have lots of holes to fill this offseason. Is quarterback one of the questions? Daniel Jones is going to be on the roster, but is he the long-term solution? So Jordan Renan, he knows it's a big question for Big Blue are general manager Joe Shane and coach Brian Dable
4: willing to risk their professional careers with a quarterback with that injury history? The Giants have the number six overall pick and two second rounders. They picked up one in the Leonard Williams trade mid-season last year. They can use those to potentially look at quarterback. I've been told by multiple sources that the Giants, if the situation presents itself correctly, the Giants would be at least seriously willing to look at the quarterback position.
1: And that is brought to you by Tullamore Dew because when it's game time, it's Tully time. Tullamore Dew, the original triple distilled, triple blended, triple cast matured Irish whiskey. Be sure to grab a Tullamore Dew or try the brand new Tullamore Dew Honey during tonight's action. Glasses up to enjoy Tullamore Dew responsibly. Coming up at 3 o'clock, it's The Michael K. Show and it's only here on 98.7 FM. Thanks for listening to the Barton Han Show podcast. Listen live weekdays at noon on 98.7 ESPN.